We are walking through Mark chapter 10 for a few weeks uh, in a new series we'll talk about in just a moment. I invite you to prepare your hearts and to open your ears to hear the word of God from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Hear the word of the Lord. As he was setting out on a journey, this is Jesus setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. And Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. O Father, we have just sung that we will go with you all the way. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. In the middle of Mark's gospel, Jesus and his disciples begin a journey to Jerusalem. If you were so inclined, you could look and notice that the gospel of Mark splits cleanly into two halves, and the second half, the middle of chapter 8 all the way through the end, are this journey to Jerusalem and what happens there. Now, It's really nothing out of the ordinary, this particular journey. It's the right time of year for a good, faithful Jewish person to make the journey to Jerusalem because it's time for the Passover festival. The disciples probably have done this every year of their life. They've done it with Jesus at least a couple of times. And so here they go. But this time will be a little different. You see, the disciples over here, they're making their annual pilgrimage. Jesus, however is making his way 
to the cross. It will be a different journey. And they'll experience things unlike thing, anything they've experienced along the way. And this journey will force people to make a series of choices that center around a common question. Is Jesus my one true and holy passion? That's the question that the disciples will face over and over, and it's the same question that we hear and wrestle with on a regular basis on our walk of discipleship, because you see, we have a journey of faith too as we follow Jesus. And there will be times in our lives where Jesus calls for our commitment to be purified and renewed, where essentially we must answer the question fresh, is Jesus my one pure and holy passion. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to follow Jesus and the gang uh, on their way from northern Israel through Jericho into Jerusalem. And along the way, uh, we are going to be exploring our walk of discipleship and how we are pursuing Jesus. And so today we pick up in the middle of Mark chapter 10 with these words. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him, knelt before him, and, well, you heard the rest, right? I think maybe you heard it. At least I hope you heard some of it. I'm going to tell you what, though. This story is tough. This story is downright nasty. It's hard. There's something about this story. You see what? Here's what happens. Uh, The man wants to know from Jesus how to inherit eternal life. That's a good question to ask Jesus, don't you think? And gosh, I wish somebody would come up to me and ask that question on a more regular basis. And you'd expect to hear an answer like, Well, my son, believe in me, repent of your sins, ask for forgiveness, and you can go to heaven. But that's not what happens at all. And this is from the mouth of Jesus, mind you. Instead, Jesus says, "Hmm, Go and sell everything you own. Okay. You see, that's tough right there. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it sounds to me like, like, like it's a little difficult. It puts my mind into a frenzy. I, I read this and I think, ooh, ouch. I think this is the gospel. This is supposed to be good news. That's what gospel means. But this sounds a little like not so good news, doesn't it? It sounds a little rough. So I thought, maybe let me do a little study. Maybe this doesn't really, maybe this doesn't really apply that way to us. You know what I'm saying? Let me see, let me see what I can do here. I'm put on my, put on my uh, preacherly muscles and see. So, so here's the deal. This story is told in at least in, in the two other Gospels, Matthew and Luke. And a lot of times when the story is told over and over in the Bible, we usually just kind of put it all together in one big mishmash. And so we often call this story the story of the rich young ruler. Well, that's because Matthew tells us when he says a story, the Gospel of Matthew says that he's young. Well, that's bad news for some of you young folk, good news for others. It's good news for me now, too. I don't know if you know this. Um, When I turned 36 back in August, uh, according to the United Methodist Church, I am no longer considered young clergy. I'm considered middle-aged clergy. And I never really thought that was great before until I realized that it might get me out of this. (laughs) Whew, that's a little better. Okay, maybe that's fine. Okay, now Luke, 
Luke tells us that he's a rich ruler. All right, I like that because I, I don't rule much of anything. I thought I ruled some stuff, and then I had kids and realized I ain't got nothing. Uh, are any of you rulers? Anybody? All right, good. This is getting good. This is fine. This is good. All right. Now, Luke also says he's rich. Hmm. Or does that apply to any of us? Well, I mean, uh, hold on now. Who really gets to define rich anyway? Who gets to define that? I mean, somebody always has more than, than, than we've got, right? So maybe, maybe uh, Jesus is talking about the, the Bill Gates of the world. They're certainly rich. So we're getting somewhere now. Maybe, maybe uh, this whole sell your stuff thing isn't really going to be such a problem. Except for Mark. <laughs> except for a close reading of this passage. Gosh. Mark presents a problem for us. Maybe not for you. He presents one for me. Because Mark, when Mark tells the story, he doesn't say anything about this man's age. He doesn't say anything about this man's work. He's not young in Mark's gospel. He's not a ruler in Mark's gospel. He's just a man. That gets a little tough for us. In fact, Mark goes a step further. Mark doesn't actually say anything about him being rich. He doesn't. So what Mark tells us is that he has many possessions. I wish he wouldn't have said that. See, I've got many possessions in my pockets alone. In fact, when we moved in June, we discovered that we have a couple thousand pounds worth of possessions. And we don't even own any furniture. If that's how Mark wants to define rich and wealthy, then I think maybe we all have to start paying attention. Okay, well, if that's the case, maybe we all have to pay attention, but maybe, maybe Jesus was talking about this man's particular situation. You know we're all unique, and God loves each one of us, so maybe this guy, this guy, maybe he had a problem with stuff. Maybe he had a problem with his possessions. That does not mean that Jesus would say the same thing to us, does it? Well, it sounds like you've actually read what comes next because Jesus spends the next eight verses repeating things like how hard it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Gosh, Jesus, I wish you would have just left that part alone. I think he's talking about, you're talking about a lot of us. You know, that makes, if it makes you uncomfortable, it makes the disciples uncomfortable too. Don't worry too much about it. But really the thing is, is it doesn't sound like this is getting much better, does it? I tried real hard for about two weeks to find a way to explain it away or to ignore it, but there it is, front and center. It reminds me of a time that a man asked his preacher, he said, now, preacher, does this mean that Jesus wants me to sell all my stuff? And the preacher responded, I don't know, does he? All this man wanted was to know how to inherit eternal life And Jesus says, sell all your things. But that's not all that Jesus says, really. It's just the loudest part that screams from off the page and prevents us from hearing anything else. That's not all that Jesus has to say. It's just the loudest. In fact, it's not even the most central thing that Jesus tells this guy. 
Jesus' talk about possession it really supports the main part of Jesus' answer. And I think that if we're really going to get this, we ought to pay attention to the whole thing. But get ready because it gets a little harder before it gets any better. Here it goes. This man runs up to Jesus. He appears to be nothing but respectable and moral. He con- I tried to discredit this guy a little bit, you know, because if, uh, if you can ad hominem something, you can make it so it doesn't deal with you. But I can't find anything wrong with this guy in the text. He seems respectable and, and moral. He comes to Jesus respectfully and refers to him as good teacher. He has some sense that Jesus is going to have the answer for what he's looking for. I mean, could we ask for much more? And so he goes and he asks, good teacher, how can I inherit, inherit eternal life? And Jesus has this frustrating way of not answering the questions the way people wants them, want him to, but he answers them on his own terms. You should notice that sometimes. He says a few things and he says, look, you know the commandments, don't you? And he lists off a few of them. And the guy says, yeah, yeah, I know. Apparently Jesus knows that this guy knows the commandments. Apparently he's an upright guy. The guy says, yes, I have kept all of those things since I was a boy. And we really have no reason to believe anything other than that. But here in verse 21 is where we get to the heart of Jesus' response. And we'll break that down for just a second. What happens next is the Bible says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. That's a precious verse for me just right there. You can preach that by itself. But what that tells us is that what's about to come next is all given in the divine love for a person. What Jesus tells him next is given out of a heart of divine love for him. And love is not always easy, but it's always good. And what happens next is Jesus says, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. Now that's interesting. We're going to pause here because I bet we think that that one thing is about money. But here's what you need to look. You can open your Bible and follow this with me. This is really interesting. If you're following the story from beginning to end, we don't actually know yet that this man has any money. We don't know yet. We find that out a few verses later. You lack one thing. That's not necessarily about his money. It's about something else. Here's what happens. Jesus has just taken moral inventory of this guy. You know the commandments, right? You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And the guy says, yes, I do all of those things. And Jesus says, you still lack one thing. Despite the guy being respectable and upright and moral, you still lack one thing. Here's what that tells us. You can be respectable and good and well-behaved and still miss the kingdom of God. You can be as nice a guy or a gal in all the land and still miss the kingdom of God. So what is it that this man lacks? It's not that he hasn't sold all his stuff. We're getting there. The ultimate command that Jesus gives is, first go and do this, 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 treasures in heaven, sell your stuff, give it to the poor. Then come follow me. This is that classic call to discipleship. Come, follow me. The thing that this man lacks is not a thing. The thing that this man lacks is not a rule. It's not a behavior. It's a person. This man lacks Jesus. 
And see, what you find in the scripture is that eternal life is found in pursuit of Jesus, not anything else. Eternal life is found in the pursuit of Jesus. But there's going to be something in this man's life that's going to get in the way of him doing that. It turns out that Jesus is going to tell us it's the same thing that gets in the way of a lot of people. This man is also pursuing his stuff. Have you ever tried to be in two places at once? My Google calendar tries to do that to me all the time, and I blame it on Google, and it just doesn't work. You can't be here and be there at the same time. It just ain't happening. You're going to have to let one thing down to pick up the other. You can't be in two places at once. And the same is true with our hearts. The Bible tells us that we can't be the slave to two masters. You can't walk in two different directions at the same time. If you think you can, I'd like to see you try. It would make a good YouTube video. But if I want to pursue Jesus and I go to pursue my stuff, I can't make the journey. And Jesus, looking upon this man, knows that he's going to have to let go to follow Jesus. Before this man can follow the Lord, he'd have to choose to pursue Jesus and only Jesus. And so Jesus, in love, invites him to leave his possessions behind so that he can follow Jesus with a pure and singular passion. Because you see, eternal life is found in pursuit of Jesus, and only Jesus. Not Jesus and our storage unit, not Jesus and our bank account, not Jesus and all of our toys, and not Jesus and your Bitcoin investment. I know some of you got some Bitcoin. Jesus and only Jesus. This man was shocked. I'm a little shocked. And he went away grieving, and that's how the story ends. And you know what? I hope the man came back. I hope the man came back. The gospel leaves that wide open. We don't know anything else about this guy. I hope he comes back. The possibility's there. I don't know. But Mark does that a lot in his gospel. He will leave things open-ended so that we read ourselves into the story. And so, what about us? What about us? Here's the deal. I do not know what Jesus wants you to do with your stuff. I don't know. I do know that most of you want to follow Jesus. I do know that Jesus teaches us that our stuff and our money and our possessions It's going to get in the way of that a lot of the time. I do know that. And I do know that along our faith journey, there are going to be situations and times where Jesus calls us to clarify our commitment. I do know that. And so today is a good day to consider our pursuits. Today is a good day to consider what are you pursuing? What in your life might be pulling focus away from your pursuit of Jesus. It might be, for some of you, it might just begin as this simple recognition that your life has been focused on making more money and having more stuff. It might be that maybe you realize that you long for what you can have more than you long for Jesus. It might be that. And today might be the day where you start to change that so that you can pursue Jesus with more focus and purity.
Maybe, maybe you realize that you're having trouble following Jesus because you've succumbed to uh, the American uh, illness of instant gratification. You want it now and you want everything now and your money in your bank account shows that because you've squandered away some of the things that God has given you and that you've earned and you may have even let down some commitments. And you may uh, have had so much trouble with that that you have bought things on debt and it anchors you in place and you can't follow Jesus because you just can't control what you've got going on. And maybe today you say, you know what? I can't fix it today, but I can change it today. Where you say, I want to follow Jesus with more focus. And so maybe today you're going to begin to work on that. Maybe today you're going to find somebody to walk alongside you and you're going to start making some of those changes. Consider your pursuits. Maybe you realize, you know what? In my heart, I do find more security in what I own than in what I will gain by following Jesus. Maybe. There's nothing like the threat of a hurricane to wipe it all away to make us consider what truly has a hold on our hearts. And today could be the day where you decide, you know what, I've been holding on to everything with a clenched fist, but I'm going to live with an open hand and I'm going to take a step towards generous living and a step towards sharing so that I can follow Jesus with more focus. You know, I have a friend who, uh, a pastor who wrote this. He said, when money takes a back seat to Jesus, my relationship with money will become healthier and more life-giving. Why? Because treating Jesus as my ultimate treasure will lead me to avoid debt, give generously to God and to the poor and to people in need, to save for the benefit of future generations, to pay the taxes that I owe, to provide for those who are depending on me for their care and their basic needs. Eternal life is found in pursuit of Jesus and Jesus only. Consider your pursuits. What for you, what is your next step to focus your whole heart on following him? Can I take a breather for a second? If Jesus has made you nervous today, you're in good company. If you're a little bit shocked like that guy was in the Gospel of Mark, Don't worry, most of us are, and the disciples were too. You remember they heard Jesus teach all this, and they said, "Uh, who can be saved then? And Jesus said, for mortals, it's impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. And so Jesus looks upon us all with love and invites us to let go of our pursuits so that we can follow him. And listen, it's not easy. But if you want that bad enough, if you want to follow Jesus bad enough, God will make it possible for Jesus to be your one true and holy passion. If you want it. So this is one of those defining moments along the journey. Do you want Jesus more than you want your stuff? Do you want Jesus more than you want your stuff. If not, listen, that's okay, but, but can you want to want Jesus that much? You can pray to want to want Jesus that much. That's a good prayer. You can pray for the desire for it. 
You may not be there right now. You might resist it with all of your heart, but can you want to want it? And then maybe you can join with the words of one of those great songs that we've sung so much in church. And I'm going to let go of my pursuit of pride and actually try to sing a little bit of it for you. Where it says, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds, and nothing I desire compares with you. Do you want to want Jesus that much? Pray with me. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word that is both hard and good. It struck us in a variety of ways. It's challenged us or comforted us. But above all, God, I pray that your spirit would work in all of us right now so that we might just feel a growing desire to make you our one true and holy passion. We might not be there. Very few of us are running to the pawn shop after church. But help us, God, to let go of what we pursue so that we can pursue you with all that we are. And birth within us by your Holy Spirit a desire, even if it's a slow desire that takes time, a slow desire to want you more than we want anything. We pray this over us in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.